Welcome, everybody, to War Room the Hockey Podcast. This week, we are on episode 105. That's our 105th episode. We're excited that you've been able to stick with us through 104 episodes so far, and we hope you uh, are able to have the patience to and enjoyment to stick with us for many, many to come. Episode 105 this week. I want to start by thanking everybody for your patience and understanding. I know it's um, a little bit difficult and a little bit hard to pin down our... Um, posting and uploading schedule, as well as uh, whether or not we're going to be in person in studio. Uh, there's a lot going on. We are currently in separate areas, uh, so we are doing everything through Zoom currently, and we th- thank you for your understanding and patience there, and we hope, if you are able to, um, that you enjoy the YouTube video versions of the podcasts, as well as the audio versions. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and hit the notification bell on YouTube. Um we understand that it's a, it's difficult and confusing with the upload schedule. Um, life kind of takes over a little bit, and we are in a position where we really enjoy doing this, but we are not in a position yet where we make money doing this. So, unfortunately, it's not always the number one priority to take time to make sure that it is uploaded at a specific time on a specific day. Uh, family, work, life kind of takes over, and we hope everybody can understand that. We hope you do understand it, and we thank you for that understanding and for your patience. Having said all that, episode 105 this week, we uh, dive into some trade deadline speculation, among other things, and it's really, really really good episode. We really enjoyed it. We touched on uh, the NCAA National Tournament that's coming up. We touched on junior hockey. Uh, Really exciting stuff. A lot going on in the hockey world with only three or three three, three and a half, four weeks till the trade deadline. So episode 105 this week, we hope you enjoy it again via Zoom. uh, Thank you for your patience and understanding. Make sure you head to the necessary social media platforms, Warm the Hockey Podcast, at Warm the Hockey Podcast, respectfully on Facebook and Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio are the audio platforms. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review, share, share, share. We really, really appreciate it. And like I said, on YouTube, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and engage with us on our social media, uh, in the comments, anywhere. Engage with us. We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear your questions, your stories, anything like that. Love to give you a shout out. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, we hope you enjoy episode 105. podcast episode 105 this week already touched on an introduction here um, prior to jumping on zoom so we can forego that one here uh, this week and kind of jump into things didn't didn't do uh, headlines in the introduction like we normally do Uh, did want to save that aspect for for zoom Um, but big big um, happenings in the world currently that um, are having already having some ripple effects like we were just talking before uh, recording um, in the NHL uh, regarding Russia and Ukraine and the effects of that on the world. Uh, Ovechkin addressed it. Um, don't know if you heard his comments. Yes. Hasek. Um, there's a backlash for his comments, um, for <laughs> Ovi's comments, um, kind of absolving himself of any of any need to stand up against Putin um, by just simply... <laughs> But throwing the blanket term of I'm an athlete, not a politician. Unfortunately, the world, as much as I actually like that, I do like that. People need to do that more. I'm an athlete, not a politician. Don't ask me. I'm an actor, not a politician. Yes. Leave alone. As much as I think that needs to be the case, um, Ovechkin has also been an avid supporter of Putin. Every chance he take, gets, he's in photo ops with Putin and he's helping Putin on the campaign trail and he's, you know, all these different things. So his inability to outright, even if it is his own country, his inability to outright condemn what's going on has uh, caused some major backlash. And uh, from one of which from the likes of uh, Dominic Hasek, who's come out and said that the NHL needs to suspend all Russian players uh, regardless of where they 
of where, where their support lies in all this, uh, just as a blanket optics call. Um, I don't know. I don't know about that, but I do. I do feel that um, this is having more ripple effects than I think any of us wants to wants to admit right now. You can't have it both ways. You can't be a a musician or an actor or an athlete or someone that dissociated with the real world and then hide behind that. Either speak out and let everybody speak out, whether you support Trump or Biden or Putin or whomever, let everyone have their say and don't censor people because they disagree with you. Or why don't we all just agree that people like Oprah and LeBron and people like that don't have an opinion that matters and, and leave it alone. But they want it both ways. They want to, they want to be real mouthy about stuff that, you know, is popular and that they agree with. And, uh, and then, you know, they'll hide behind, well, I'm just a comedian or something if they get any criticism and you can't do it that way. Either stand for it or shut up. Well, that's the way it works all the way across. And you could make the same argument for, um, for the police in Ottawa with everything that's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But being that's able, a, being able to come out and say, well, I'm just doing my job no longer holds water when you're, nope. especially in the face of the anti-police sentiment in the world where there's been pushback already from that idea of you just doing your job. But yeah. now you are, now there's no secret that you're actively abusing people and abusing power and joining in the tyranny now you can't unfortunately at least for in ottawa i'm not saying the entire police force you know me i stand with the police but, Absolutely. but at least in ottawa and parts of australia there's no no more saying with any credibility anyway that no. oh i'm just doing my job you're just a coward actively, in a uniform if that's what you, you know, do you're just a coward in uniform actively joining the tyranny Anyway, yep. we'll leave that alone. That's um, a whole different podcast. Though, that's a whole different that. podcast, whole different topic. <laughs> so we'll leave it alone. Um, yep. Big big night last night in the NHL. We'll touch on this real quick before we get into the headlines. Ten goals for the Leafs last night. Seventeen total uh, between them and Detroit. First of all, your team won. So let's look at the positives. Second of yeah. all, though, how do you feel about Detroit putting up a touchdown on Toronto? Well. If you, if you saw it, you would see that any, any bantam goaltender in North America would have gotten, he probably would have gotten cut if he played as poorly as Mrazek or Campbell or Nedeljkovic or uh, any of the four of them. It didn't matter. They were all impossible to hit. So, you know, it was just, it was a debacle. It wasn't played that poorly from a, from a, team standpoint in the in the middle of the ice but when when floaters are going in all over the place from the blue line like these are these are just glorified dump-ins and they're scoring it's it was a it was a debacle and it's one that you just have to you have to park it and forget it and come back out next time because you know that these are these goaltenders are better than that it was just one of those games you know, I mean, Tiger Woods misses a bunch of three footers or something. It it never happens, but it did. Uh, big night in Nashville with the stadium series. Yeah, that I think, came that's, I think the right. outdoor game is becoming a bit trivialized. Uh, yeah, the cash cow now more than anything. But um, and it's always it always has been more of a more of a special event than a hockey game. Um, especially if you're sitting there, you can't really see any of the game anyway. So it's more of a, I get to say I was there type of event, but, um, but for the city of Nashville and growing the game and, you know, making it special and and doing all that stuff. Hey, you know, it was successful. Good for them. They put on, put on quite a show and it was a decent hockey game. So from what we saw of it, another, another good hockey game in uh, Vegas last night, uh, Vegas and Colorado. That was a that was a, another good one. Yep. Yeah, that was that was really um, those. There's been several of those this year. Vegas and Colorado have had a couple of them. Vegas and Toronto, Colorado and and Tampa, Tampa and the Panthers. 
when there's a when there's a best on best situation, it's really really cool. I and I love it. It's uh, I those are those are different games. Those are unfortunately this year there's too many games between Ottawa and Buffalo or something where it's it's kind of meaningless to the players, the fans, and everybody. And it's unfortunate because the the lackluster uh, the lack of passion and things in those games is really a, a it's it's a shame, but it happens. You fall on hard times. The trouble is this year there's half the league is falls in that category, right? Yep. As we talked about last week, like there's easily what fourteen or fifteen of the thirty-two teams are completely out of any reasonable shot at making the playoffs. Yep. Are you tapping a pen? <laughs> no, I'm tapping my uh, my computer screen here. Sorry. Yeah, just wondering, hearing hearing clicking going on. I'm not just, tapping you're, a pen. You're that known was for it. you're known for pen tapping when whenever you're sitting around. So just curious. Uh, we'll dive right in real quick. Uh, we're on the hockey podcast. We touched on this in the introduction, but we'll we'll, we'll touch on it here now that we're on Zoom. Uh, Social media, uh, audio platforms, as well as the video platform on YouTube. Make sure you like and you follow War in the Hockey Podcast at Warm the Hockey Podcast. Respectfully uh, engage with us. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review on the audio platforms and share. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Hit the subscribe button and the notification bell and enjoy. This is episode 105 of Warm the Hockey Podcast. We're going to touch this week on a number of different things, the main one being uh, some build up toward um, the trade deadline here in a few yeah. weeks. Um, but before yep. we get into that, we're going to touch here uh, around the hockey world uh, as we get into playoffs. Uh, playoffs don't always don't fall at the same time in every league throughout hockey. Uh, so some leagues are already there. BCHL um, teams have already clinched their playoff berths. Uh, NCAA they are now two one or two weekends away from the start of their conference tournaments to lead toward the national tournament. Uh, so it's a uh, Good time to be a hockey fan. It's exciting. BCHL, um, only five or six teams. And I guess that's that's the hard part when you have, and it is junior, but I guess that is the, the thing with a, a junior league that only has 14 or 18 teams. Almost everybody makes the playoffs. Um, so unless you're, <laughs> unless you're poor merit, and then they just, they struggle yeah. each time. And that's, you know, we laugh, but that's just, that's a shame. It's unfortunate for the fans and unfortunate for the town. Um, they support that team. And, and you know, it's a, like you said before, it's a municipally owned, uh, but boy, it just takes a, it takes better management to draft and develop and, and be competitive and put a good product on the ice. It's got to be done. Yep. So Couch and Valley, Powell River, Coquitlam and Surrey and Merritt uh, all missed out on the playoffs this year in BCHL. So Everybody else uh, has clinched. Albany Valley clinched top seed in the Coastal Division. Uh, and, and Tipton's walking away in the interior, right? And Tipton didn't walk away, um, but they did take first in the interior yeah, over, over Salmon Arm. Um, so it'll be exciting there. Uh, every, every conference in NCAA has their tournament set, except for uh, Hockey East and the NCHC. Uh, they've got a weekend or two left. Though, if you look at the standings, seeding is almost pretty much set, even though the bracket isn't. Um, Massachusetts sits atop the ho- top of Hockey East, and North Dakota sits atop the NCHC. Um, but every other every other conference is pretty much set uh, and ready to go here uh, as their conference tournaments actually kick off this week. So, what is um, when is the when's the drawing? When do they seed? Oh, for the national tournament? Yeah. It'll be in a few weeks. Um, let's see. Um, I'll actually I'll look it up here. I'll use the fancy Google machine. Um, but it should, it'll be in a few weeks. Usually, um, usually they have the selection, I believe, after the conference tournaments, if I have my information correct, because conference tournaments get, give you your six automatic bids, right? Yes. Uh, through conference winners. And then uh, from there, you'll get um, get selection for the remaining spots. Um, 
get my clicking, I'm actually doing something productive with my computer. <laughs> well, I, I'd like, while you're looking that up, I'd like to say that if you took the over last night in Detroit, that was a pretty good looking bet. And I don't know if you could bet on the combined save percentage, but it was about 70. So yeah. <laughs> maybe 75. All right, 2022 Frozen Four uh, take, will take place April 7th and 9th uh, in Boston. Um, so your, your, regionals, your regionals are taking place in Albany, New York, Allentown, Pennsylvania, Loveland, Colorado, and Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, let's see. Pull it up here. It's not giving me. Um, I'm actually doing something productive. <laughs> Could have looked this up before you hit record, man. Well, forgive me that um, I didn't know that you'd be asking all of these specific questions. Yeah, um, here it is. I'm just a fan. Just a fan. All right. So selection show March twentieth. Okay. So they'll select the remaining seeds March 20th, and the, the conference tournaments will happen between now and then um, to give you your six automatic bids, and then they'll do the selection for the remaining uh, the remaining 10 teams. Um, but yeah, every, every conference is pretty much set except for Hockey East and NCHC. They got one, one or two weeks left in their season uh, before their bracket is officially finalized. So... And Atlantic Hockey has a change to their bracket with Robert Morris out this year. Um, so they'll have – they will have insta – instead of a one through five top seeds, they'll have a six top seeds. Is Robert Morris the one that you said a few weeks ago that, that did away with the program altogether, but they're going to try to bring it back? They so. did away from the program. There was pushback on it, um, and so they – went through the process and they're bringing it back for the 2023 season, I believe. For whatever reason, the program, the school did away with it, didn't find it productive or whatever uh, the reasoning was. And there was some pushback on it. And now they're bringing it back for the 2023 season, I believe is the date. Um, but in the Atlantic hockey, it's normally the top five seeds um, get our automatic basically buys into what they would deem the, the quarterfinals with everybody else playing to get to get to that point. Um, but with no Robert Morris, it's now the top six teams. Um, so American international top seed. And um, so, yeah, but you'll get a good, mat, good matchup there. Air force and army playing in playing in their first round matchup there. So that'll be, be fun. That'll be fun. So I, uh, I talked to a, um, and Army, the uh, what's the sorry, I'm drawing dead on the on the name. It's um, what's the academy? West Point, West Point, a uh, club hockey father at West Point who said that this is um, this is the best year that uh, that the army team has had, I think, ever. Yep, this is the most competitive they've been. Um, and now there's talks in terms of NCAA expansion that Navy will be coming in too. So, Oh, cool. So you bring right. in Army, Navy, and Air Force, and you have – makes for good uh, military academy battles. Yeah. They're already pretty good between Air Force and Army, but it'll be good to see Navy come in if, if they do. So, um, But, yeah, we touched on that. Uh, we'll transition here. Um, trade deadline coming up in a few weeks. Um, a lot of speculation, a lot of, uh, a lot of talk, a lot of rumors. Um, let's start with anything you've heard and where you see things falling. I, we already know who the sellers are going to be. I mean, you can always, like we just said, uh, half the league is basically eliminated right now. And we already know who the sellers are going to be. But the, the, big, the big question mark isn't who needs what or who's available. It's... It's how you juggle cap. And yes, in the playoffs, you can get away with it. But if you, you know, if you mortgage, uh, if you mortgage the future for a, for a cap issue, that just gives you 
at the deadline, then you're finished and you can't, if you're 6 million over the cap into the playoffs, as is somebody like Vegas, or if Tampa or Toronto or Colorado or somebody like that, uh, Florida, that's going into the playoffs, obviously, and has a, a legitimate chance to win. If they mortgage the future with uh, a cap buster, now the deadline is over. And wherever your, wherever your free agents, your UFAs are going to go, you lose them for free. So that's, there's a high cost to, to making that move. And it's something that with another what one is there one year left on the proposed flat cap i think i believe i believe they extended it an, another year I, I can't remember it's all kind of blurred together the past few years but uh, and there's but there's still either way there's still a little bit of time left on it and um but even despite the flat cap players still want their money so um, <laughs> and you're seeing you're seeing that you're, you're seeing that issue in colorado cadre's up and He's having a career-making year, which means he's going to be asking for big bump in pay, and they likely will not be able to do it. So, but it's one of those things with um, trade deadline. If you bust, if you bust your your future, you mortgage your future for the sake of and your cap for the sake of of bringing in a big piece. You're basically set. You're basically backing yourself into a corner that you better win now. This, this is your year to win. Otherwise, it may not happen with losing key assets, inevitably losing free UFAs uh, because of the cap situation. And now what? Because now you don't have the pieces to fill in for those, for those free agents that, that are now walking. So now what? So it creates a situation, unless you're just that good at managing your organization, creates a situation where you, have, you almost have to win now. Otherwise you're starting again. So that's exactly why now you have uh, a director of player personnel and, and player development, and you have a capologist. So you got to have an accountant along with a player development team, because it, it doesn't matter how well you develop the players if you can't manage the salary. So who's, you look around and who's in the catbird seat of the, of the teams that are basically playoff locks that are that still have a considerable amount of cap space to play with uh only nashville and the rangers they're the only two they've got seven eight nine million dollars of cap space and they're you know they're in the playoffs so they've got ways that they can maneuver without screwing themselves uh to the floor for next season nashville nashville will be in a situation though if they get forsberg done yeah so that eight or nine million dollars in cash space goes away if they get Forsberg signed, which they want to get Forsberg signed, but he will he will be asking for, and you know our favorite goaltender might have something to say about it, but <laughs> you could argue you could argue he's almost deserving of the money he's going to get, and that money is going to be more than Duchesne and Johans and Johansson, which is higher than eight million. And so now if you get him done this season, like Poyle has said he wants to do, then that eight or 9 million goes away. Right. So that's, but that's the good, that's a good point because there are teams that are in the same position as Nashville, but they don't have the money to pay their top scorer. So you got people who's got, who have, you got teams that have big names coming up like a cadre but that money's got to, you got to have money out to put money in. And the ones that conversely are in deep trouble because they are so far out of the playoffs and over the cap by a, by a lot. Montreal jumps out. Winnipeg has got their share of problems. Vancouver Canucks, Chicago, Philadelphia. There's, there's a lot of teams on the list of, of um, clubs that are, in the playoffs or, or not in the playoffs and they're going to have to shed eight, 10, $12 million just to get to, to get under the cap. So what do you do there? And, and when you're getting rid of those big salaries, first of all, if you're getting rid of a $7 million guy, who's got some term left, who has three or four years left, nobody's got any space to put it. If you're getting rid of a $7 million guy 
who is up at the end of the year and UFA, his value is next to nothing because you're probably not going to resign him. So you're, you're going to rent him for a third rounder. It's a, it's a really, really small box to be put in. And, and that's going to make, if you're asking about the, the trade deadline, I'm going to say movement is going to be very, very limited, especially where any big names or big salaries are concerned. I think there's going to be a couple of depth pieces, maybe a couple of depth defensemen, maybe a, maybe a backup goaltender. Depth will, be, depth will be key. Um, big pieces moving around, I don't see it. it depth will be key because like, like we've seen in, past, in the past year or two, um, the teams that are looking for these big pieces are also the teams that, that are, aren't in a position to be able to do it. Um, right. That last year during free agency, when with the speculation of Landeskog wanting nine or ten million, and how's a team going to do it? Because Landeskog wants to win, and the only teams thus that would that could do it are teams that are contenders. Contenders yeah. already have their cap situation locked up. So how are you going to be able to bring in a nine or ten million dollar guy without then giving up a nine or ten million dollar guy to make room for it? It's yeah. the same argument to be made now. Big questions leading into the to the deadline, for example, Mark Andre Fleury. What well, team, what team needs a goaltender in the playoffs? Every team should if they don't already have one. But what do you have to give up? Not only for of your pipeline and your future to get a guy like that, but also what do you have to give up cap wise to make room for it? And so now you're you're looking at you're looking at breaking up some pretty good chemistry, some some good on ice production for the sake of bringing in one piece. It's the argument to be made for Colorado, for example, what do you give up to get a Claude Giroux? Yeah. Who do you, who do you move and what do you give up? Because Philadelphia is not going to sit by and be okay with losing Giroux for, for a draft pick and a prospect. So they're going to want a roster player as well. So who is that? And are you willing to part with a Jost or a Comfer or a, Kubel or anybody like that, just to bring in Drew, and now you got a new piece that you got to you got to mesh with down the stretch. When in reality, your team is meshing real well right now. So it's and, it's and the million dollar question. Yes, that's a great example of of that potential change in probably ten different teams. A big piece like a Drew or a Ben Sherratt or somebody like that. But in the case of Drew, you're going to have Jost and Comfer and, and Newhook and, and your great prospects, your good middle six guys. You're going to have them around for a long time because they're not expensive. They're productive. They're good at all three zones. And they're not expensive. You're going to move somebody like that. I'm not saying they are. I don't think they will. But if you moved somebody like that and picked up a Drew, you're going to have him for one playoff run. And then you better have somebody in your pipeline that's going to come up and take Tyson Joe's place because you're not going to have either one of them next year. So that's, and that's the, the smart GMs are looking, uh, they're looking at today and they're balancing that with next year and the year after. Um, it's, but I, I still, I still go back to, and, and I, we can talk more about flurry because he's probably the most likely big piece to go, but I just don't think, I don't see how anybody can make big, big moves this spring. I just well, don't see ine it. Inevitably, a team always does. <laughs> well, in the case we're always of... Wrong, we're always wrong in that regard. A team always does. Yeah. Whether we think they're capable or should or not, they always do. It's the same, again, the same argument we had with each other and with the whole system last summer with free agency. Oh, duh. Uh, any team that pays Landeskog this much, well, guess what? He's going to get that much from somebody, whether yep. we whether we think he's worth that. And quite frankly, the way he's playing this season, he's worth every penny if you look at his goal production and what he's doing. But at that at that time, anyway, is he or is he not worth eight, nine, ten million dollars? Well, maybe he is or maybe he isn't. But whether we think he is or isn't, a team's going to give it to him. Inevitably, they do. It just is what it is. Well. We're inevitably we're wrong in that regard 
more than I want to admit. And so a, a team is likely, a team is likely going to make a big splash to add a flurry or a Giroux or a Phil Kessel or somebody like that. The, the only thing with Phil Kessel that you can have hope with is that the reputation Arizona has right now is that they're willing to move pieces for just a boatload of draft picks. And they will keep and retain salary, which is so, a, it's a huge deal right now. So it, with Flurry in mind, let's stick with him for just a minute. He, need, he would be a perfect piece to go to a team that is a legitimate contender that has a serious question in goal. Who stands out other than, let's say, Edmonton, who, you know, you could argue whether they're a serious contender or not, with, with a real proven goaltender, maybe, they're, maybe they go from a B-minus to an A-minus or something in the playoffs. But who, who stands out as uh, Washington Capitals? I mean, they, they, they well, but they, you have to question Samsonov uh, and their whole goaltending situation. After last night, maybe Toronto needs two goaltenders. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, Minnesota? Um, I like Kakanen. I mean, I, 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 don't think, I don't tinker with Minnesota too much. They're, How well do you trust Talbot and, and Kakanen, though? Uh, you know, I, I've seen Kakanen play um, – a handful of times, and he is probably within a year or two. You can put him in the conversation with the uh, with the kid um, in New York. There's uh, an argument to be made of, yeah, there might be a team or two that, oh man, oh man, goaltending without a doubt is their issue. And then there's a few teams where you don't know if it's their issue, right? Because it's unproven. Kemper and Francois are playing lights out, but. But both of which, for injury purposes, but also in Kemper's case, for simply not having the experience in the playoffs, having come from Arizona, we don't know if if they're a goalie tandem that can win you a Stanley Cup. We don't know that because we haven't seen it. They're playing lights out right now, but come playoff time, are they? Are his Kemper or Francois or both in a tandem form? capable of doing that so you described 10 teams well exactly minnesota colorado uh, you could argue with New York. you could Carolina. argue right now with with uh, the goaltending situation in vegas you could right there's teams there's mo- many teams right now that have goaltenders like minnesota i'll continue to use them as an example that are playing great they're consistent they're you have no issues and you trust that they'll stop the puck but you haven't seen them in the playoffs so there's right now, of of the 16, 17, maybe on the outside chance, 18 teams that could possibly find a playoff spot, there's only one that doesn't have goaltending as a question mark. That's Tampa. They're fine. They know they're proven. Maybe maybe St. Louis with, with Bennington and Huso. Uh, but everybody else has to say, you know, Carolina, Florida Panthers, Calgary, everybody else who is a legitimate contender right now, Colorado, they have to say, yeah, we're a really good team and we're playing great and we're at the top of the league and we're a legitimate Stanley Cup winner contender, not just a deep playoff run, but our goaltending is unproven. They're all like that except Tampa, possibly St. Louis. There's not one other team that can say we have proven goaltending, we have Stanley Cup long-run goaltending. So that's the big question, and it's a matter of who wants to mortgage a big piece to bring in an insurance policy like Mark andre Fleury. Well, before we dive into some predictions and some rumors going around, <laughs> I do want to touch on the conundrum that is the Vancouver Canucks. Um, there is speculation around them. Uh, there's talk that they're shopping Besser. Um, there's talks that JT Miller is out there, though they want to keep him. Um, I have I have seen, read, and heard um, that what they do with one or both of those two, Miller and Besser, will tell everybody where they see their team. <laughs> yeah. So if they move, uh, meaning if they move Besser and or Miller, and I'm I, I'm going to go a step further and say all they have to do is move one of them, not both of them. 
right. they move one or both, that's them telling the league and everybody around that they are not there yet and they're, re- they're rebuilding. They're still building. They're still working. If they keep both, then that's them telling the hockey world that they feel that they're better than what the standings say and they're ready to compete. Whether, so, now, whether or not that's the case and whether or not we agree with that, that sentiment can be debated and discussed. But from everything I've seen, that's the mentality. Keep one or get rid of it, one, if not both, you're, you're, you're still working, you're still building. You keep both, you're ready to compete despite what the standings say this year. How that falls, I don't know. But... I don't. Uh, Vancouver's also falling in the tra- in the wokeness trap with their yeah with some of their yeah. hires lately and everything, and that's nothing against uh, Cami Granado. Oh, absolutely or, not. She's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that man or woman, black or white. If your credentials and you and and everything show that you're worthy and that you're worthy of the job, um, but at least on paper, they're falling into this wokeness trap of let's make history and hire these people for the sake of this. So anyway, but anyway, you brought up Vancouver and that's a good point because they're an interesting team. When I look down their roster and look at their salary structure, they're all they are is they're just underachieving for who they are. I mean, this is a team that really should have gotten more out of themselves a long time ago. And that's not, you know, I think Travis Green is a fantastic coach. Something just went wrong there. And when you have a team like this that is put together well, they've got depth, they've got some goaltending, they've got uh, a good pipeline of young players, they've got some youth size, they're pretty good, four or five deep on defense. This is a team that just should have been better all the way through. Like I know they had a, a few guys banged up, Pedersen and Besser both, but my, this is when this happens. It, this is what makes the sport so cool, and I suppose this applies to every sport. Yeah, this is a really good team. I thought they would be one of the better teams in the West this year, maybe one of the four or five best teams in the West, and they're really seriously looking at plunking out of the playoffs. So, what do you? It's just underachieving. And so would I blow them up? Would I move Besser or, and or JT Miller, both of which are at the top of the rumor list? I, I like them both. I mean, how do you build a good team? How do you rebuild a team without somebody like that? Miller's, connected, with, Miller's connected to Colorado, so. Yeah. Again, but, I mean, he's but just, again it depends. I guess it depends on, on where you are, where you feel you should be, and whether or not you feel at this point Besser and or Miller can continue to be assets that can catapult you to where you want to be. Right. I, and I don't, so, you know, you, you bring up Colorado again, I like, what do you do? You bring Miller in. He's still got what, two years left. He's got two years left on his term at six or six and a half or six and a half, six. Yeah. Um, He's, you know, what do you, so then you automatically lose Kadri because you can't fit, you can't fit Kadri in and he's up um, and you automatically are going to lose probably a pretty sturdy draft pick and, and a prospect or, and, or a roster player. And that's a lot to give up to break your cap. And, and other than winning faceoffs, the, like I, I just, I do not blow up Colorado because they're tough in the faceoff circle. Because well, I don't not- see, I don't see Sackick doing that. I've, come to trust Sackick and his decisions. I don't see him blowing it up for the sake of that. Um, he's, he's known to only make a move if it benefits them. Um, so yeah, faith there that nothing will get blown up and these pieces won't disappear for the sake of whatever you want to call it. Um, but there is speculation nonetheless, Miller, Flurry, whatever, Drew. Um, but let's touch, I want to touch real quick since we're in rumors of two teams that I think you and I both can agree we thought would be there. Winnipeg and Dallas. Yeah. Okay. Um, Winnipeg up three Oh against Colorado the other night. 
and got run out of the building. 6-3. Yeah. Big talk right now that Shifley's on his last year with Winnipeg. Whether that's the case or not is remains to be seen, but there's talk about it. And trade deadline, if they're not in a playoff spot, you're looking at Andrew Kopp and Paul Stasny being assets to be moved. Um, both of which, both of which, will draw major interest because they're Absolutely. major assets. Yep. Or playoff teams. Now, I would so those are much better pieces and not because of there's anything wrong with Claude Giroux or JT Miller, but cop and Stasny are both better pieces because they're, they're good defensively. They're good in the face-off circle. They can, you know, cop kills penalties. These are really, really good depth centers that can play against anybody's top line. So these, these are good checking centers and they're good depth pieces and they're both reasonable if you can squeeze them in before the end of the season and not, you know, if you, if you can work them in with LTIR and not, not bring them up until the playoffs or move somebody else out until the playoffs, then you could make one of those guys work. And, be, and because they're UFA, you only, you're, you're only going to give up, you know, conditional picks or maybe second rounder or something like that. You're not going to have to break up your roster to bring that piece in. And I like that move for, a handful of different teams, whether it's Colorado or Calgary or, or uh, anybody in the East, like Pittsburgh or somebody like that, looking for some depth help. I, I like both of those guys. Uh, Dallas. Uh, Winnipeg is a, Winnipeg is a really, uh, that's a real curious team. They, I thought they were built better than this two or three years ago. I thought we all thought they were built to, to make uh, some deep runs just has not worked out. Creates a speculation of what you think is missing there then um but that that can be a whole hour or more topic just right there in and of itself but uh dallas the dallas stars another curious team um they're still they're still within reach uh, yeah but on the outside looking in a team again like your thoughts on vancouver that i thought would be one of the top four in the in the central at least in the central, if not in the West, um, with how they're built and with Ottinger playing well and, and and their production, all that stuff, but they're just not. Um, John Klingberg has requested a trade. Likely to see him moved, at least if not at the deadline, then during the offseason, depending on where Dallas falls playoff-wise. Um, yeah, he's he's got one year left. Um, I, that's another team there. That, that's a team to me – when I, when I look at that roster, I look at the age, the size, the skill, the pipeline, and the salary hits. This is a team just like Vancouver. Who would you move to make your team better? Is moving Heiskanen going to make you better? Well, okay, for $8.5 million, yeah, it'll help. But if you want a big, mobile, 22-year-old defenseman, no, it's not going to make your team any better. Who who are you going to pick up that's going to improve on putting Miro Heiskanen on your on your top pair? No one. There's no there's no replacement for a guy like that. So I don't know what you do here. I, this is a team that you could start tearing it down, but then you're in a then you're in a very long quagmire. And I I don't know. But if you if you gamble that you're going to make a second or third round run. And, and they underachieve as Vancouver has, as Dallas has, and Winnipeg has most of the year. Now you're, now you're just one year further into being boxed in. It, and that's why, you know what, uh, think about this, Evan. You and I talk all the time about the, the awkward position when you're stuck in the middle. Yep. You're at the top of the league. Okay, I can move a piece. I can do this. I can make a make a trade. Bring up a guy. I can cut somebody loose and bring in a Joe Thornton or somebody like that. If you're at the bottom of the league and you're you're just piling draft picks like Detroit or somebody, then then you've got a rebuild going. New York Rangers did a great job of it. Montreal's going to have a lot of work to do, but bottom is good if you're rebuilding. Top is good if you're competitive. Those eight or ten teams in the middle. That's just no man's land. There's, you, you have to, at some point, you've got to look at that roster, Dallas, Winnipeg, Vancouver, uh, even Edmonton, 
you got to look at these rosters and say, we either have to, we got to blow this thing up and start over again, or we've got to make some really, really bold and somewhat dangerous moves to try to win in the next two or three years. Because that's your window with Shifley, with Jamie Benn and Sagan, with Pedersen, uh, with Johnny Goudreau, with McKinnon, like uh, McDavid. You've got to, you, there's a lot of teams with windows that you, you're going to have to make bold moves to win in the next couple of years. Yeah. There's, there's ways to look at trades regarding involving big name guys. Uh, you could argue Klingberg might be, might fall in that category. Um, two, two ways for a trade like that to fall. Pure hockey trade, money in, money out. Mm-hmm. Or whether the player necessarily likes it or not, he gets moved to a team that isn't necessarily in the playoffs this year. <laughs> right? So he gets, he gets moved to a team that's on the outside looking in. Right. Hoping, hoping that maybe adding a Klingberg, for example, since I'm looking at him right here, will be the catalyst to either, to either get them there or combined with what you do in the off season can lead you there next year. Otherwise, otherwise it's a money in money out situation, which really puts you unless, unless a guy like Klingberg, again, just as the example is far and away better for the money he's making than the guy he's being traded for. Otherwise it balances out. So it it's an interesting it's an interesting thing when you talk about cap and we talk about thing Klingberg here looking at it um, again cap 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 when you look in this article everybody talks about cap which you you can't ignore um, and that's a big big um, hurdle in terms of trading these guys uh, potential landing spots at least listed here for Klingberg in in this article anyway uh, Anaheim. I was just looking at them. Again, if Anaheim's competing, which they've done a good job so far this year of at least staying competitive, mm-hmm. and you want to put them in a position to be in a playoff spot next year, again, who do you give up? Um, right. No, Carolina, again, Carolina's meshing well. Same argument we made about Colorado. Who do you give up for a John Klingberg? Um, and this you get. Is- and you get JT Miller. I mean, yeah. So yeah. it's just. And so you not only have Klingberg, Heiskanen, JT Miller, um, keep naming them, like especially anybody with term. And, and uh, Klingberg is, Klingberg's a young guy, but he's, you not only are going to break your cap, but you're going, like, you've got to have enough assets to give up for him. Because if I'm giving up John Klingberg or Merrill Heiskanen, I want something big in return. I want some major building blocks in return. These are great young defensemen, which are, they bring a premium. What are you going to give me? What are you going to do for me? Like, I'm not taking conditional picks and retaining salary and jazz like that for those kind of guys. Phil Kessel, yeah, he's a rental. Marc-Andre Fleury, yes, he's a rental. But if you're moving a piece like JT Miller, uh, or or Heiskanen or somebody. It's a it's a major battle to give up prospects, high draft picks, and roster players, and take on a seven million dollar salary or an eight and a half in the case of Heiskanen. It's just the the list gets so short when you start qualifying teams on the basis of who's got the cap, who's got the prospects, who's got the willingness. You end up a lot of times with zero. And that's why I go back to this being a pretty boring trade deadline. Wonderful wisdom from Turd Ferguson, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Call Turd. I got the answers. JT Miller. Uh, we spoke on him. This article, potential landing spots, Toronto. Uh, he's been linked to Colorado. Um, yep. Another potential landing spot, Minnesota. Again, again, we all love these articles. We all love to do things ourselves because, hey, it sells copy and, hey, it brings in listeners and, oh, it makes headline. But, again, honesty and objectivity is the best policy. And when you look at this, 
who does Minnesota or Toronto or Colorado have to give up for a JT Miller? It's either because of his cap, it's either money in, money out, or you lose a Joel Erickson Eck, just as an example, not saying that that's a guy they want to move. I'm just naming a name or a Spurgeon or, you know what I mean? Or a Kerfoot or a Nylanders, a Marner, not a Marner, but you just naming names for the sake of the point. So who do you have to give up? And so and it's great to speculate. It's great for podcast content and articles and blogs and things, but you need something to talk about, but who do you have to give up to do it? And that's why it's great to speculate, but at the end of the day, the trade deadline is likely to be a duller than we want to admit simply because of these, these factors. Not to say that somebody doesn't make a move for Miller, whether or not we think they should, but it's not likely to be this exciting the way it's being hyped. I, right now, as of today, you could give me you could give me the GM's pen in any one of the thirty-two towns, and I would be hard pressed outside of maybe Mark Andre Fleury going to Edmonton or something. I would be really hard pressed to make a real sound hockey trade at the deadline. Take out the cap. Take out. Am I going to get better or worse? Am I going to give up this player? Is it, is it going to make me better to move Klingberg for X? What's this going to do for my team? What's it going to do for my salary cap? I, I cannot see a Drew, a Miller, a Klingberg, a Heisman. I can't see those guys going anywhere. I, I just don't know why anyone would do that. They're all really good players. But what I'm giving up to get them and what I'm going to do to my salary cap to get them and what I have to do in the off season to keep them, it just makes it impossible for me. Yep, exactly. Uh, Edmonton, a couple names connected to Edmonton. Justin Braun, defenseman. Uh, he's got he's a pending UFA with a one point eight cap hit. Uh, there are also um, two names from Long Island that are connected to Edmonton: Simeon Barlamov and Scott Mayfield. Again, the Islander, the Islanders, along with the Flyers two teams that we thought would be there in the East that aren't. Um, Bill Kessel connected to the Bruins. Yeah, that makes sense too. You go back to Boston. Um, and well, and in, in, in Kessel's case, I think this is the last year that Toronto still has him on their payroll. If you can believe that he's been through Pittsburgh and Phoenix and now, and Toronto still paying him. Or they were, I think, as of uh, the end of last year. I don't know if he's still on payroll or not. But, yeah, you've got teams now that have really obvious need to bust things up. And, and you named a couple of them, uh, Philadelphia and the Islanders. Uh, there's some others. Then you've got, oh, I don't know. I, just, I don't even want to go down the path of the teams stuck in the middle, like Columbus and Dallas and Vancouver and, and a bunch of other guys that are just – Got to make the decision, blow it up or make a bold move to win in two years, within two years. I, what do you, so I've been rambling. What do you think is going to happen here? What do you see? Regarding who? Everybody, like the whole deadline. Like start someplace. We think, we think Flurry's going to go, right? Flurry's, it's hard for me to say that Flurry wants to stay in Chicago, given that he was hesitant to to even play this year because he was traded to Chicago. Um, I don't know. Again, business is business and everything like that. I don't know if I see from a per purely um, competitive rivalry standpoint, I don't know if Flurry goes to Washington. That Washington would make a lot of sense to me. It would. A good team without, a, without proven goaltending. It would. I don't know. I look at it too from a perspective of having been in a in a locker room myself. Obviously, not at the NHL level, but having been in, in a locker room myself from a competitive standpoint. Business is business. I get it. Rivals change teams to other rivals all the time. I just all those years in Pittsburgh. It's hard for me to imagine Flurry in a Capitals uniform. <laughs> 
it doesn't would. mean it won't happen. That's purely an, an, an emotional opinion from, from, from me, but it's hard for me to imagine him wearing, wearing the red and blue in Washington. Uh, I still got him in, in Edmonton. And even because just this past few days, uh, Newton Hopkins is hurt. He could very easily take his five and a half, five point two, or whatever Nuge makes, and go on LTIR into the playoffs. So, Flurry, Flurry might be able to be squeezed under the cap in Edmonton, and they probably are a bubble team that needs a goaltender worse than anybody. Washington is a legitimate contender with proven goaltending. Um, I, that's probably the that's the practical limit for me. I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't see anybody else making those kind of moves. JT Miller is likely to move. I, yep. I don't. He's likely to be the one moved before Besser. If I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Big seller. So, the speculation in Vancouver is that Miller's the one they want to keep. I see. I see, and I could be wrong. I see Miller being moved. Now the question again comes: Who picks him up, and for what? What do they have to give up? But he'd be a great fit for any team that picks him up, but it's a matter of, it's a matter of what they have to give up to get him. But I do see him. I do see him moving from wrong. I'm wrong. Um, a piece, a piece that I, and again, Paul Stasny's great. Love to see a reunion with, of him in Colorado mm-hmm. again, because of his $7 million cap hit or, or whatever he's making now. What no, he's, he's only making like three. Right, because he said, yeah, okay, because of the flat cap, he signed that deal, kind of like Tyson Berry did in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, see him brought in, um, reunion Colorado, maybe. I'd like him, I'd like to see that, believe it or not, more than Giroux in Colorado. Um, Do you, I, I would too. If I'm, if I'm Colorado, I, I look strong at Cop and Stasny both because that's a strong both. three three centers there, McKinnon, Kadri, and Stasny. Um, Stasny's a great locker room leader. He's great on the penalty kill. He's a great quarterback on a power play. He's tremendous on the half wall. And he's great, great up close in the small areas. And um, definitely can't hurt any playoff team looking to add him. But love to see him back in Colorado. Whether he does or not, we'll see. Whether Sackick looks at that or not remains to be seen love to see that though um otherwise they do have some assets to give up too they've got a pretty nice they got a pretty nice uh pipeline uh in the ahl they've got a handful of guys that could be pretty attractive due to the age and and the fact that they're still on entry levels um so especially on the forward uh, the forward list they've got a they've got a handful of guys that you could probably afford to give up with a draft pick to get a guy like Stasny. That's, that's, to me, that's the ultimate key for a team, whether it's Colorado or any other playoff team, that's meshing so well together, is you want to add without subtracting. Yeah. If, yeah. if and when all po- at all possible. Um, so can you add a piece that will only benefit you and all facets of the game, all aspects of the ice, especially in the playoffs without losing anybody that will be detrimental to, to your chemistry and to your production on the ice. That would be great. Colorado picks up a Stasny and only has to, has to give up a conditional draft pick and drew Hellison, for example, Marty Cout or somebody or, or something like that. Awesome. Now you can slot Stasny in on the third center with uh, new hook and Comfer. New Hook and Cabell, and you got yourself a really solid top nine, really solid 12 forwards with how the fourth line plays without having to lose anybody. And it's, tre- it's tremendous. But that's the game. That's the shell game with, with the cap and everything, I guess. But we'll see how it all plays out. There's a, I don't see it being a busy trade deadline as much as everybody hypes it to be. Inevitably, somebody always makes at least a move that right. that kind yeah, of makes our jaws drop and go, "How did they do that?" But we'll I, I here's there's a team we haven't talked about, and I really so two things before we get wrapped up. 
Jim Rutherford is one of the most aggressive, has been always one of the most aggressive GMs as far as making moves. So I would be not surprised if, if a lot happened in and out of Vancouver. Brian Burke and Hextall now in Pittsburgh, I believe that they still think that that team, and legitimately so, that team's got a chance to win. And that's a team that probably needs a, uh, a middle pair defenseman and so I wouldn't be shocked to see Pittsburgh do something. Otherwise, they aren't in too bad a shape. They might be able to, I don't know if they could squeeze in uh, one of the bigger pieces, but maybe Kessel going back there along with a, a deal for a guy like Ben Sherrod or something would put them in pretty good in pretty good position. So I keep an eye on Pittsburgh, watch Marc-Andre Fleury. Rutherford is always aggressive and uh, – and I'm still wondering about Anaheim because uh, with Murray gone, who was reluctant to do much of anything, you know, it's a team that's really coming along uh, quickly in their rebuild. I wouldn't be wanting to give much of anything up there, but that's, uh, that's a team that could accelerate their rebuild with the right kind of move as long as they don't, as long as it doesn't cost them one, it doesn't cost them their future. Here's a question for you to close it out. Trade deadline, is it beneficial uh, to make a deal at the deadline or to get a deal done as soon as possible to start building that chemistry and building that, that trust as quickly as possible for the home stretch? It's different in every case, which is not a cop-out answer, but if you can afford it, if it doesn't, if it fits with LTIR and within the cap, make the deal as soon as possible. The closer you get to the morning of the deadline, the worse bargaining power everybody has because now the store is just about to close. Uh, so yes, get them in, get it done while you can get it done on your terms instead of, instead of facing you know, a literal deadline. But it, the chemistry is a big deal. I'm glad you brought that up because it's nice to have those guys in the lineup, get them meshed into your system, get them meshed into your room. Uh, the only way that it doesn't make sense to do it as soon as possible is if you can, if you're, if you're playing salary cap roulette and you're putting somebody on LTIR, you want to bring, you want to bring that $6 million flurry contract in as late as possible so that you don't have to, um, you don't have to put somebody on waivers or for the or buy somebody out before. So between March 21st and the end of April, you have to move out salary in order to be able to afford him. No cap in the playoffs, as we talked about a lot. If that's the reason to wait, is is if you're playing salary cap roulette. But otherwise, you're absolutely right. Get him in as soon as possible. Forum the Hockey Podcast, episode 105, uh, trade deadline talk. Uh, thanks for joining on Zoom this week. Yeah. And, uh, have a lot to look forward to. Uh, conference tournaments starting in the NCAA, uh, BCHL playoffs kicking off here soon, and the trade deadline coming up here in three or four weeks. So it's exciting stuff. Um, st- home stretch to the playoffs. Looks I'll like we're- one shout out. Yeah. I, I've been thinking about this for the last half hour or so. Uh, we, we, bust on this guy a lot, but at uh, two or three weeks ago, Edmonton pickup Evander Kane, extremely troubled several years with this guy, but he is producing. He's producing every night. He's on his best behavior. He's putting up points. He's playing all over the ice. He's a model citizen in Edmonton. Maybe he's figuring this is his last kick at the can and he's going to make it work. Maybe it's because of his financial distress but what, who cares why he's producing? And as much as we kick him around, uh, I think it's time we give him a shout out because he's, he's got, uh, you know, we, we're all still about redemption here. 100% uh, all about redemption. There was a lot of talk prior about um, whether or not he's somebody you want to take that risk for. Uh, yeah. Would you bring him in and risk that with a team that's already – trying to get to the playoffs, trying to compete, already struggling because they haven't been big talk about how much longer, how much more patience Drysdale and David are going to have before they're just done and one out. All these things. Is that really a distraction you want to bring in in Evander Kane? If he can, can, if he can maintain and he can 
produce and he can be a depth contributor outside of Dreisaitl and McDavid and can keep his nose clean and can be a locker room guy and can stay out of the newspapers, out of the headlines, then you know what? The risk was worth it. Um, Yes, 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 yes. The second even the slightest thing comes up, now you're looking at big, big backlash, right, wrong, or indifferent, of why did Edmonton do this? Right. Why did they do this? Because now look, now this. So it's really walking that tight wire, that tight line of risk, reward. Is it worth it? Is it not? We're all about redemption, but you still have to weigh the pros and cons of things. And there's big cons with Vander Kane. If he can so continue far, so doing what he's doing, then applause to him, applause to Edmonton, all across the board. But the yep, second absolutely. the slightest thing and comes up, you're looking at major, major backlash. So they, he, at the cost, at the low, low bargain cost that they're paying him, he might, because of his production, he might be opening up the door for them to move somebody else and clear up some space. Who knows? But we'll see. It's going to be fun. Warm the Hockey Podcast, episode 105. Facebook and Instagram, Warm the Hockey Podcast, at Warm the Hockey Podcast, respectively. Like and follow us there. Engage with us. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Subscribe, rate, review, and share. Share, share, share. Uh, subscribe, hit the notification bell on YouTube. And uh, we hope you enjoy the home stretch here uh, to the playoffs, trade deadline, everything. It's an exciting time. Um, Hockey's always exciting, but it's an exciting time here in the season for Trade yeah. Center and, and everything in between. So thanks for joining on Zoom this week. Yeah. My pleasure. Good to see you. Warm the Hockey Podcast. I'm Evan Rauer, and we'll see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. Cheers.